Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On Talk Sport. How you doing? And welcome to the Fight Night podcast. I'm Adam Catterall and every single week we bring you the very best in boxing conversation and the biggest of guests. We've got an action-packed show lined up for you, uh, all based off what we did on the radio on Saturday night. So don't worry, if you can't join us on a Saturday evening, I appreciate that you're busy. Every single Monday morning, we'll be sat here in your podcast place of worship to obviously uh, get stuck into everything that we've been speaking about on the radio. And we're going to start the conversation looking back with Fury's brilliant performance against Deontay Wilder. We got on the phone to a man that was in his corner that night, the former middleweight champion of the world, Andy Lee. When you are part of a, a camp like that and you come up with a game plan and then your fighter and friend, of course, delivers it to a T, what is that feeling like? Oh, it's, it's, it's very gratifying. Um, listen, having a plan, working on a plan and having a plan, but then the fight actually going out and implementing that plan, a totally different thing, you know, especially when you're in a situation of stress and you're under duress, in a fight, you'll always mm. revert back to type and what you know, what you're comfortable with. But Tyson never wavered. He stuck to the plan and um, whatever instructions we gave him in the corner, he just went out there and did it. You know, he's, got, he's a special fighter. He's a special person anyway, but he's a special fighter. He has a perfect mindset and a perfect makeup. Um, and look, we only had eight weeks with him. So there were doubts whether he could carry this out. And were we making a mistake when he'd been so effective in the first fight? Yeah. That was me personally. Sugar Hill never wavered. Sugar Hill was resolute that this was the right approach. I, I was worried because he did so well in the first fight. And common sense to tell you, just carry on what you did in the first fight. Don't concede the knockdowns and you'll win the fight. Um, but no, we went for kind of a radical approach. Press Wilder, use the feet. Put him under pressure. Um, Tyson's jab improved immensely from the first fight. His jab is a real weapon now. It's not just a flick, flicky, occupational jab. It's a yes. real weapon. And, yeah, it was the pressure defeat. When the Wilder attacks, they take the distance back, step back, high guard with the left hand. Um, and just, we worked a lot on 
on the footwork as well with Tyson. Um, positioning Wilder, moving Wilder wherever he wanted him and, and, and walking him onto the right hand. And Tyson just just took it and ran with it and really owned owned it, you know, and uh, that's, that's, that's what, made, what makes him so special. I think that was the most impressive thing for me. Myself and Gareth, during the broadcast last week, the, th- the thing that impressed me the most, of course, walking him down and landing those big right hands and doing what he did to him was, was sensational. It was the jab. You mentioned it there. Traditionally, Tyson's got that flicky jab. It's a point-scoring jab. This one was a ramrod. This one was busting Deontay Wilder up. Big heavyweights, proper heavyweights, heavyweights that are classed as the greatest heavyweights of all time. They all had massive jabs, and Tyson Fury absolutely dished one out last week. Yeah, you look at the... He lands one in the first round, and it's, it's, it's even... It has more... Well, it registers a lot more. Even the right had two right hands at Wilder landed in the first round. They were big yeah. right hands. Tyson took them on the chin. Yeah, he felt them, but he kept walking forward. That may have demoralized Wilder. And then Tyson comes back with that jab, which was so unexpected for, for Wilder to receive because, yeah, Tyson's jab was just a flick of a jab and it would just occupy you. And it, just would, it, wasn't even, it would just set something up. He would use it to set something up behind it. So he'd flick yeah. two jabs and then throw a right hand or, and a left hook, something like that. But this jab was a weapon in itself. Andy, good evening. Uh, listen, uh, um, congratulations. And um, um, I know you're at a... Um, tell us just tell us where you are tonight so we, we can give it a bit of a plug because you're at a, a fantastic um, gala for, for kids with illnesses, aren't you? Yeah, I'm at the, um, the Crumlin, Hospi- Crumlin Children's Hospital fundraiser, annual fundraiser, and you just interrupted my main course. But uh, <laughs> anything for you, Gareth. Well, no, and um, we're just raising money for a good cause. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, look, I say congratulations. It was a privilege to be around you all last week. Um, you know, from from the camp to the house to the dressing room, even you know, I had a, a, an amazing few minutes in there. You even came over and threw a few punches at me. I rem- recall. Um, <laughs> but that's nothing, nothing new there. But the, but but the thing is, um, what I thought was extraordinary about this was that. You managed to get into Deontay Wilder's head with weight and strategy ahead of this fight. And is, is that fair to say? Because um, and I've seen comments from you afterwards where you feel that Wilder may have been influenced by you guys being very open about how you're going to do it, how Tyson was going to be heavier, how um, Wilder didn't really know how much heavier... Tyson was till the way in and was he really that weight and the fact that Wilder's right hand maybe wasn't as quick because he was 17 and a half pounds heavier than the first fight Gareth to be honest, like, to be honest I'm not sure if Wilder was actually that weight because he weighed him with his trousers on and his shoes he might have had something in his pockets because I, I went to witness the hands being wrapped and he's being gloved and I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking, he's not 230. He doesn't look like that size of a man, you know, compared to Tyson, mm. who's, who's a complete unit now. Um, but I think Tyson has got on the... Did, I think Tyson intimidates him. You look at the, the press conference, even. When Tyson was animated and raised it, Wilder, Wilder was all up and arms. When Tyson brought it down and was calm, Wilder was calm. I think... And I, 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 even, even before that... I said to Tyson, he's being very nice to you now. He's complimenting you in interviews. Tyson says, yeah, I have him. I'm playing him. When I be nice, he be nice. When I raise it, he raise it. Tyson has this uncanny ability to, 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 to out, like, to out-psych fighters. Like, you think of Del Bajazora. 
the most, mm-hmm. one of the most controversial fighters we've seen in a long time. Slash Klitsch, slash Klitsch, one of the kids goes, mm. spit, spit water and one of the other kids goes, yeah. and like, get, got away with everything, you know what I mean? But when he fought Tyson Fury, he was... He behaved. Uh, three to the pie, you know? <laughs> Same with David Hay. Yeah. David Hay, you know? Yeah. Another controversial character, outlandish, outspoken, when he was due to fight Tyson Fury, a three to the pie. And Tyson has this uncanny ability to put the balance on, <laughs> on everyone. You do, know? Know, do you know what? Uh, he, he even put it on you at the press conference, because I watched this moment, right? And this isn't a slight on you at all, but you handed him some water at one point, yeah, and he asked yeah. you where the bottle came from, and you went, oh, I think it was on the table, and he went, no, don't want it. He was still focused. He was still no. so focused, what had, wasn't he? What had happened is the security guy who was with us gave us the water, and, and he said, where did it come from? I said, it came from the security guy, and he said, it was our own security guy, uh, Brendan from Wales, if you know him. I don't know. And he said, either. listen, he said... Um, Let's not take it. So that that was it. And he's so careful. He's on the ball, you know, Tyson. He's, he, he's a very intelligent guy, you know. Oh, oh, due to, like, like, not due to his lack of education, but he's a very smart and guy. He's a very guy. smart man. And he, like, to be around him, Gareth, you know, this guy, he holds you in high esteem because he actually said to me um, that you were one of the only few people to reach out to him when he was really in that dark place back, back those years ago when he was at his lowest. He said, Gareth was the one who would text me, are you okay, Tyson? You need to talk. Um, but you know when you're around him, mm. um, he's one of these people that don't come along that was often. You know, you think about the great people that are like in history like David Bowie or Muhammad Ali or, you know, and just to be around him, it's a privilege. It's, it's you know, it's, it is. I think he's going to go down as one. He probably already is, but you'll see as he goes on, he's going to be one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. Now, following that conversation with Andy Lee, we spoke to Tyson Fury's former trainer, Ben Davison. There were two bits of this conversation that we wanted to get stuck into. Ben's obviously appreciation of the performance from Tyson last week and his new pupil, the super lightweight world champion, Josh Taylor. Wilder flicks out a couple of jabs, but his guards all over the place and Fury puts him down again. A shot to the body, a right hand to the body of Deontay Wilder and he's down, he gets up he gets the count, he's flooded he's all over the place and Kenny Bayliss says are you okay he says yes, he doesn't look okay my word, has Fury lived up to his own hype tonight, can he stay focused and again Wilder is down Wilder's wobbled, he stays up somehow, the ropes help him the referee is poised and he's trying to finish the job now in the fifth round on what would be the most sensational night in British boxing history, arguably. Let's get stuck into uh, to last weekend. What your thoughts, my friend, as you were watching that fight unfold? Talk me through it. Talk me through everything that you were seeing. Yeah, I mean, uh, I actually I, I saw Gareth yesterday and I showed him some text that had uh, been exchanged between myself and Tyson where Tyson was adamant that that was the way he wanted to go about the fight. He wanted a hard start fast. And I always sort of compared Deontay Wilder to um, to Thomas Hearns. And, and we were talking about how the two people who beat Thomas Hearns, Ray Leonard and, and Marvin Hagler, and, you know, how there's two ways to beat him. And obviously he'd done the Ray Leonard way before. And and sometimes as a fighter, you can see, but more importantly, feel, feel things that a trainer can't necessarily see or feel. And sometimes a trainer can see things that a fighter can't see. Um, and I just feel that with that 12th round from the first fight, I believe that Tyson just felt something 
leave Deontay Wilder. And um, he was adamant that that's how he wanted to go about it. And obviously, me and him parted ways, and he wanted more of an aggressive approach. And uh, it seemed to be the right approach. Well, it was the right approach, you know. And mm. it was uh, fantastic work from, from Sugar and Andy, who are, who are great coaches. And uh, obviously, Tyson's a phenomenal fighter. It, we've just we've just spoken to Andy actually, and one of the things that he said is that he had reservations about the new game plan because he said the game plan that he that Tyson had with you in that first fight, he, he won the fight. He should have had his hand raised, you know, uh, and maybe for those knockdowns, he, he would most certainly have done that. Did you when he spoke to you about that and he said, "Listen, I need to be more aggressive. I need to be on the front foot. I need to be landing early doors on him." Did you have any reservations about those tactics and whether Tyson could actually carry them out? Uh, uh, what I actually replied, like I say, I've got these texts that probably go down in history now, but um, <laughs> Tyson said to me, look, I want to start hard and I want to start first. And he was talking about Sun Tzu, the, the art of war, and um, et cetera, et cetera. And, and we had discussed and we knew that Wilder was going to take a more patient approach. So I sort of said to him, look, I agree. I think a hard start fast is is would work well. But then I spoke to him about mixing between the two about a smart approach and sort of floating between the two styles of Sugar Ray Leonard and Marvin Hagler and using a bit of both. And um, I think for me, in the first round, when Wilder landed a right hand and Tyson went straight back at him, yeah. for me, it clicked with Wilder and sort of for Wilder, it straight away became round 13. I, didn't, I don't think that people sort of expected that. I think people sort of expected it to go back to round one again. But yeah. with when in that moment for me, I just sort of felt like it went click, and it just very quickly became round thirteen for Deontay Wilder, and Tyson certainly made the most of it. It's, it's fascinating, Ben, that you know, because um, uh, having dinner with you last night, indeed, um, you you were bringing that up about round thirteen, and it, and it really clicked for me when you said that. What I'm I'm fascinated by what you were telling me last night about you had extraordinary kind of shakes on the night watching it. Obviously, you're very close to Tyson and you're part of this magnificent return of the human being as well as the athlete and the fighter. And that you were telling me yesterday, you're still having like anxiety now, even six days later, about how how important this was for your friend, you know? Yeah, do you know, everybody always says to me that in the change room, I'm the calm, I'm the most, and in the corner, I'm the most calm person in the world. And they're always like, I just, I don't get how you can be so calm. But when, when I, I'm working, I'm able to give the information that I feel the fighter needs, I can be in a calm state because I feel like I can do what needs to be done and say what needs to be said. But when I'm not in that position and it's somebody that I care about and a friend of mine, <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah. the, I'm the worst in the world. Yeah. Um, it's, like be, it's like being a, a passenger in a car when you're not driving it, I suppose, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. Exactly. Well, so they're going to go into round 21 now, okay? Or round 20, <laughs> right? So for you, what happens yeah. when Tyson fights him this time. Will the strategy be different again, or does he put it on him straight away again? Again, me and you spoke about it, Gareth, about the moment that Wilder weighed in, I knew that Tyson was in his head and Wilder was focusing what he was going to do. His focus was to try and negate what Tyson was doing as opposed to focusing on Tyson negating what he was doing. Mm. And therefore, straight away, I knew that 
that Tyson was was in his head and Tyson was sort of in control. Um, and it's something that, that, that we spoke about yesterday. But um, it'll be interesting to see the build-up, how Wilder takes it. Of course, you know, he's probably going to get a lot of stick throughout the build-up. It's the first time that he's had his, his, his own taken away from him. But he's had it, you know, he got pinged last time and this time he really got beat up. So, you know, what approach does he take? Does he really believe what area does he believe that he can mix it with Tyson? It's a real tough ask for him, in my opinion. What do you, what do you make of Wilder's outbursts or his the things he's put out in the last 24 hours? In terms of? You know, the, the video he's put out recently um, about... I, I'll be honest. I, I actually respect it. I think you got to respect somebody that's saying, "I'll come again and I'll, I'll, I'll do it again and I'll try." And you know, he's got full belief in himself, so it seems. Um, and you can only respect that, you know, for him to get to where he's got to, be beaten in the fashion that he got beaten, but yet still want to come again, not hide away, come out and say, I, "I'm willing to, to to have another go." And, and you can only respect that. Mm. Let's talk Josh Taylor, shall we? Because uh, he's got, obviously, a mandatory defence of his uh, IBF version of his world title against Kong Song. My little knowledge of Kong Song is that the kid can hit extremely hard. Looking forward to you and Josh pairing up. What what are you looking to maybe add to his game? Because he looks pretty rounded to me, Ben. You know, every time I've watched him, he's been absolutely world-class, especially in that fight against Progress. Yeah, funny enough, I'm actually sat here now watching Kong Song um, <laughs> on <laughs> videos of Kong Song now. Um, what would I like to add to Josh? The funny thing is, I've got Billy Joe Saunders, you know, a super elite southpaw, and Josh yeah. Taylor, a super elite southpaw. But the funny thing is, they're both dominant, and strengths and weaknesses are in the opposite areas. Mm. Um, I'd just like to, with Josh, you know, you can see that Josh is a left handed southpaw. And. You know, I'd just like to, to work on his, his right hand, his right hand at distance, varying up his defensive postures. And, he's, you know, he's very good with his hand defences, but I'd like to add a little bit more varying up of his defence. I don't want him catching too many shots. Um, in, the, in the right moments, when he softened the opponent up, that's fine, because then he's still in position with his feet to be able to punch back. But, you know, early on in the fight, when it's not the right time, you know, I'd like to vary up his, his defensive tactics um, and postures. Um, and just, I think there's, there's areas that he can prove on in terms of his concentration. Naturally, although he's achieved what he's achieved in the sport, he's still relatively inexperienced in terms of ring time. Mm. And he's also not a star yet with the media, which needs to be worked on as well. But yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, no, no, he does. He's got a long way to go. But but he's a brilliant character. He's a great fighter, and I think he really is going to be a star. But I spoke to Bob Arum in Vegas, okay, and he says the route he wants for him is, of course, Jose Carlos Ramirez, the WBC and WBO champion. That'll be a brilliant unification, um, virtually for the lineal champion in that division. And then Terence Crawford. How about that for a project for the next year, my friend? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's great going up against the, the you know, the, the top top pound-for-pound pound fighters in the world. You know, it's great as a, as a trainer to be putting your, your smarts against them and trying to be the one to to devise a game plan to, to bring him down. And um, I believe in Josh. I believe that he's a ph ph phenomenal fighter. I believe that he'll only improve. And, um, you know, he's just got to stay switched on, keep hungry, do the right things, listen. And uh, I'm sure he'll get there, you know. At the minute, I can't... At the minute, I can't see his ceiling. 
because there's so much room for improvement, we still can't see his ceiling. Completely looking forward, agreed. To wow. looking, looking forward to you two teaming up. Listen, if you Lovely. two were out uh, for dinner last night, by the way, yep. who had the best hair around that dinner table? Because I know that you both take uh, very much pride in those barnets that you both got. Listen, we yeah, well, I'm going <laughs> to let you know. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I went to the barbers about three days ago, and I asked yep. for a trim. Literally yeah. a trim round the ears and just a tidy up round the back. He's chopped my hair. Oh, mate. He is, it is. It's still floppy, though. It's floppy. <laughs> it's still it's got flop- a bit of- You've got to grow it back on the sides, Ben, and get those layers back in. It's still got a bit of length, but still got a bit of length, but I could do with a bit of girth. Now, joining us in Vegas last week, the former unified cruiserweight champion of the world and former heavyweight champion David Hay. We decided to get on the blower to him because he picked Wilder last week, didn't he? But he was nothing but full of appreciation for Tyson Fury's performance. I think that it comes from the, the pattern of the first fight. In the first fight, Tyson Fury put on a boxing masterclass. He, other than the times he was knocked down heavily, uh, he won pretty much all of the remaining mm. rounds. He was very, very um, accurate. He was very elusive. You know, he, you know, he boxed rings around Deontay Wilder. So everybody assumes, okay, give him a couple of more fights. And put him back in there. He's going to be even sharper. He's going to be a bit lighter. He's going to have more training camp, more momentum going into a master boxing display because that's what he's done. If you look back over his, his career, he's, he's a boxer. He uses that jab. He uses those quick feet for a six foot nine, 273 pound man. He moves very well. So I, most would assume, why would you give up all of that natural athleticism, all of that natural boxing ability? and go toe-to-toe with someone who only has a puncher's chance, who only has that one big knockout punch. It's one, it's one trick, but it's a trick that he's he landed pretty much every single time he's caught. 41 people have been knocked out by that one trick. So the smart money's on staying away from that one weapon that Wilder brings to the table. Oh, no, not Tyson Fury. <laughs> Tyson Fury ripped up the script. He said, I tell you what, I'm just going to put it straight on him. Something happened in round 12 of their first fight. When Tyson Fury was knocked down heavily in that that round where he looked like he was unconscious for six seconds, his eyes open up, he gets to his feet at seven, eight, nine. The referee was very close to stopping the fight, but thankfully the referee allowed it to go on. What happened after that to the final bell was Tyson must have thought, I've just got to to come at this guy. I can't keep moving away. This guy's going to knock me out. He nearly knocked me out just then. But what happened was he put the pressure on Wilder and he found that he felt something happen there. He felt uh, Wilder crumble. He, did it, he realized Deontay Wilder didn't like the pressure he put on him. As Tyson Fury won the final portion of the round after he got up in the fourth round yeah. in, the, in his first fight with Wilder. And he said to his coach, I talked to Ben Davison yesterday, and he said something happened and Tyson Fury said straight away after that first fight, when I fight him again, I'm going to come straight at him. I'm going to put it right on him. And that's exactly what he did. You know, Tyson Fury, you know, for you think whatever you like about him, listen to his interviews, you've got your opinions, what he says. This man is a, is a boxing genius. You know, the way he decrypted Deontay Wilder, you know, he only needed 35, 40 seconds in the first fight to figure out the man, and this is after he'd been knocked down when he was probably heavily concussed. So the mm. fact that he figured him out in those, that, that, fact, that, that last part of the 12th round shows that his boxing brain 
is on is on full alert constantly. And he masterminded the game plan with his team. He brought a new team in, you know, Sugar Hill, Andy Lee, good, solid team that he knew understood the Kronk style. Emmanuel Stewart, you know, one of the greatest trainers of all time. You know, their pro, you know, his protégés. It was just a masterclass of epic proportions. And I'm just so fortunate. I was there ringside calling the fight. It was, it was an amazing time. It was brilliant. Uh, what, what have you made of Deontay this past week? Because post-fight, he was brilliant. I thought he was very humble, the way that he addressed the crowd and obviously gave credit to the better man. But all this talk of suits and various things this week, for yeah, me, it's just do. taking a little bit of a shine off it. Yeah, you don't know what a man is made of until, you know, he, he's got to take an arse whooping, until he gets handed a heavy, heavy defeat. And this was about as heavy as a defeat as you can get. Um, if, the, if, 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 if Mark Breland, you know, a very good fight, well, one of the greatest fighters of all time, and uh, a great coach, clearly, if he feels his fighter has seen enough, a man who's been in his corner from the start, you've got to respect that. You've got to respect that Mark Breen is a former fighter. He's been stopped himself. He knows what it's like to be hit and hit hard. He felt his fighter had he'd given his fighter ample opportunity to find that one knockout punch. And as the rounds went on, the chances of a knockout for, for Deontay Wilder were getting slimmer and slimmer and slimmer until it looked like there was zero chance. So the right thing was the, was the, was the, was the towel to come in and to, to stop the fight. Deontay Wilder, to his credit, he took his licks like a man. He he, uh, got, he took an almighty shellacking in there, and you know he, he he's a very proud man. And you know he, what he said something about the suit being too heavy. One thing people seem to forget: the amount of punches Deontay Wilder took to his head for seven rounds. He's going to say some stuff that might not make any sense. You can't hold a man to that. You can't hold a man to every single word he says straight away after taking an absolute battering. So, you know, whether his suit was heavy or not, whatever. What was, what was too heavy was, Deontay, was, was Tyson Fury that night. You know, the weight he was leaning on, he was pushing on. The only thing that really affected him on the night, I believe, was the additional weight that Deontay Wiley put on himself. An additional yeah. 16 pounds to his frame in one training camp. I've never heard of someone putting that much lean muscle on in such a short period of time. He had no body fat on him, so it was literally good lean muscle. To build that, it's, it's, I don't know how he's done that. It's near impossible, but he did it somehow. I don't think he should do that in the rematch. I think he should go back to whatever his natural weight is. Stay out of the weight room. Stay out of the, the bulking phase. Those Don't have as many protein shakes. And go in there light, natural, and let his hands go and do what he's always done. His timing wasn't on. Maybe it was because Tyson Fury took it away from him. But give yourself the best chance. Go in there at the weight where you've had your best success over the years. You know, Deontay Wilder, one blemish on his career now. Big blemish. You know, it's happened to some great fighters. One of my favorite fighters of all time, Lennox. He had two blemishes. It happens. He's got an opportunity to right the wrong. And he's taken it up. I saw a video from him that he posted on his Instagram page yesterday. He's up for it. He wants to rematch. He believes he got it wrong and he wants to get it right again. You know, he says the war's not over. He wants to, he wants to go back to war and he believes he's the better man. I love that spirit. I love, I love the energy. And I'm going to be there ringside for the rematch. I can't wait. You know, Wilder <laughs> Fury 2. Well, well, 3. Wilder Fury 3. Is, you know, it's, a, it's a trilogy. And... I believe I know what's going to happen in, in the rematch, but I thought I knew what was going to happen in this last fight. 
and I was completely utterly wrong. So um, it's, it's going to be intriguing, but um, Fury will be a heavy, heavy favourite in this in this third. Clash. Great words, David. I mean, some of the things that you said there, I'm, I'm so glad because all the naysayers on, on the internet, on social media and talking and denigrating Deontay Wilder, it's a fantastic insight from you there on what fighters go through after events. I mean, you talked about your toe, of course, after Vladimir Klitschko and you were hammered for it, but you're just talking, there's a different part of yourself when you've been defeated in that way and it's a brilliant insight from you i'm really glad by the way you didn't bet john fury 100k on the, <laughs> so on the, you're not as you're not as happy as i am but but the, the the funny thing is having had andy lee on tonight i'm um, talking earlier on about they might have both conned each other with their weights by the way um there's a theory now that tyson was lighter than he said he was and that wilder was actually lighter lighter than he was as well um but i, I mean you put it so succinctly that the great thing about um fury on the night he took round 13 ben davison said the same thing he took it as round 13 of the fight he carried on from where he left off he bounced into the center of the ring which he often does and everything he landed was heavy and 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 the bully couldn't get on the front foot at all um and the couple of times he did you saw that brilliant defensive nous what do you think um they will do in the third fight what do you think if you were wilder now how would you because most people are saying oh you know what's wilder going to do he's been beaten once on points even though it's a controversial draw. He's been knocked from pillar to post in the second fight, knocked down with a body shot and a head shot, dominated. What would you do if you were there in the camp for the third fight? Clearly, it appeared Deontay Wilder cannot outbox Tyson Fury. He's a superior boxer. Long-range boxing, jabbing, moving, that's Tyson Fury's domain. So... Deontay Wilder has the big heavy hands, the big punches. He's got long levers, very long arms. He needs to hold his feet. He needs to be brave. He needs to, he needs to apply the tactics that Tyson Fury applied. He needs to stand with him and go towards him. If that doesn't work, then he can't beat him. He tried to box long and box at range as Tyson Fury has come forward. It didn't work. He had zero success, literally zero success. So you need to do the opposite to that. If that didn't work, you can't teach someone in one training camp how to box. You can't, he can't catch up. Whatever boxing uh, deficiencies he has in his technique will not be uh, eradicated in one training camp. That takes 10, 15, 20 years of boxing to learn the, the, the nuances, the slipping and sliding, the rolling, the parrying. There are so many different elements of boxing that, uh, that you need to know, and it takes years and years to know. What Wilder does well is he punches hard. He's got quick hands, and he lets and he's not afraid to let him go. So I say let him go. Go out there so, and just try and blast out Tyson. He didn't do that this fight. He tried to keep it long. He was doing the same thing that he did with um, uh, 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 Ortiz, where he was allowing Ortiz to win the rounds, just waiting for that one shot. That doesn't work with that doesn't work with Tyson Fury. You can't allow yourself to lose a couple of rounds. Because when you lose rounds against Tyson Fury, he's beating you up. He's taking your energy bar down 10, 15 times, 10% every round. You can't do that. You've got to take Tyson Fury's uh, um, energy bar down. So you've got to go at him. I believe this next fight has got to be 
you know, Thomas Hearns, there you go. Marvin Marvin I was about to break in and say that. And let yeah. their hands go. Yeah. They need to go yeah. there and Absolutely. have an absolute battle in the middle of the ring. And then maybe Tyson Fury might think, oh, I might get on my bike this time. Yeah. You know, and then it changes the dynamic. There you go. You know, he, he, he can't do what he did last time, and that's just keeping it long range, getting double jab, getting the jab to the body. That does not work. So he needs to completely, nightly change his approach. If they give us Hagler Hearns for the, the for the trilogy, geez, they well, may well do. They may well do. What David's saying makes sense because <laughs> no, it is the only way that Wilder can win it, and it's the only way. David knows the only way to beat a puncher is to punch with them. It's the only exactly, way. Exactly. Punch with them. And punch Tyson, through them. Tyson Fury, Tyson Fury came into the ring confident, off the strength of his first fight. How confident is he going to be going into in the third fight after what he'd done in the second fight? He's going to be supremely confident walking in there. If you've ever seen a confident uh, Tyson Fury, it'll be the man standing in the ring at the bell for this, this third fight. And Deontay Wilder needs to use that to his advantage. Correct. He needs to go, okay, you want to come swinging at me? Yeah. I'm the swing with you. Let's yeah. trade. You want to trade? Let's trade. Yeah, so Fury's got a timing. So Fury's got a timing, David, or Fury can get on his bike and he can do either thing. So he's still at an advantage. He's still at an advantage, but maybe Tyson Fury's confidence going into the third fight will force him to go extra hard, nice. extra aggressive, and he may leave mm. himself open to be counterpunched. Maybe. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's very, very intriguing. I think this third fight will be more exciting and more dynamic and more dramatic than the first fight. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Now, one man that's still on Cloud9 is Tyson Fury's UK promoter, Frank Warren. He's been there, seen it, done it, got the T-shirt. But where did he rank Tyson Fury's performance last weekend in Las Vegas? Oh, great shot from Fury. Terrific right hand. Oh, and down he goes. Right hand, left hand. And I don't think he's going to get up. I think it's all over. I just wanted to show the world that if mental health could bring somebody as big as me and as strong as me and, you know, the stereotype heavyweight champion of the world, 
to my knees than it could bring anybody to the knees. Can he get up? He does! Can you continue? Oh my goodness! Somehow Fury has managed to get up! The referee is having a very, very close look at it. And I thought to myself, if I can show the world that you can come back from it and to get back in shape and get back to the top, then anybody can do it. Phil Edwards scores about 113 to 113. Even a draw. The decision is a split decision draw. Deontay Wilder, who's been down, who's been absolutely pummeled, and the towel comes in! The towel comes in! Tyson Fury is a winner in Las Vegas. He throws in the towel. I just want to say big shout out Deontay Wilder, but I will say the king has returned to the top of the pole. Obviously, Frank, you were out in Vegas with us last week, or we were with you rather, um, for the Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder classic, this magnificent night. Have you come down yet? I'm on cloud seven at the moment. <laughs> I mean, it was incredible, wasn't it? Look, I, I, you know, I, I've been doing this a long, many, many years now, and that is the best performance of any British fighter, in my opinion, any British fighter in any ring, in any fight. And the reason being is because it's talking about levels. And that was an elite level with the hardest punching heavyweight in certainly the last 30, 35 years, and some people were saying ever. And he absolutely done a job on him. Mm, mm, got everything right, didn't he? Every single thing was right. The camp, the strategy, the implementation from the first round, the, the just the, the entire thing, the way he carried himself, the, the weight, all of it. I mean, can I, as we, we I'm going to confess to the listeners as we do these things, I think it was about three in the morning anyway. As we sipped champagne at the Waldorf Astoria, looking out on the revelry along the strip in Las Vegas, you spoke to me very poignantly, Frank, of Tyson's life and the comparisons with the great Muhammad Ali, because there are comparisons. And, you know, you know, you go way back to then, um, but there are comparisons between the two in lots of different ways, aren't there? Well, there are, you know, they both... Um... Look, they're both superb boxers. They're both superb show. They, you know, they're both super, or were. One was and one is great showman. You know, fabulous, fabulous. You know, for a promoter, they're a promoter's dream. Yeah. Um, and they sort of sucked. They sort of, you know, had their little moments where um, they let themselves down a bit with things that they'd said and so forth. If you're an evolving person, if you're growing up, you don't think what you what you said when you was in your twenties, or you know when you was a, you know you're in your teens. If you're not evolving as a person, then then you know that doesn't say a lot about you. And Tyson is evolved, and he's mm. you know what he's doing for mental health is amazing, and the inspiration that he gives people, and he's loved by people, he's loved. And that is a really, really, for me, is really, really something, says something about him, where people seen his vulnerabilities, seen that he was on the you know, depths of despair, you know, heard, heard, heard from him, you know, he's not hid it, he's said how it is, he's what he's heart on his sleeve. And, and as I say, you know, from where he was at that time and some of the things he said and some of the things that happened in his life, he's learned from it. And he's, you know, it's about him 
and what he what he's done for British sport, what he's done for himself coming back from that 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 terrible abyss that he was in to where he is now to be the you know the the number one heavyweight in the world and probably the most famous heavyweight at the moment of his generation. He's up there with all these guys, you know, with Ali, with Lewis, you know, Marcianos, all these guys, yeah. Harry Holmes. He's up there with them because he's the best of his generation. He's And, and what everybody forgets about it, each, each feat that he's done, he's gone into the other guy's backyard and been an underdog on every single occasion. Well, one of the things that I've looked at tonight is... Um, on the show is is the the great performances abroad, and he's probably got two of the top four or five ever. You know, if you count Lloyd Hunnigan against Donald Curry, uh, and it's, it's, it, listen, Donald Curry was. I'm not going to take anyone Lloyd Hunnigan. It's brilliant what he's done, but I know Curry was struggling to wait because he fought Colin Jones. Yeah, we made the fight with Colin Jones. I know he was struggling big time at the weight. This fella was the top of his game. These were. Absolutely. Heavyweights don't struggle to make the weight. Where do we go from here? Obviously, a lot of us um, would love to see Tyson Fury against Anthony Joshua. Obviously, Deontay Wilder has the right to reactivate uh, the clause where he can have a trilogy fight. Where, where, where are we, Frank? Where, what would you most like and what is the likelihood of what's happening? Well, he's reactivated it. Right. Point. So that's where we are with that. And what would I like? I'd like to see the fight with Joshua, like everybody. But the facts of the matter are, we, 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 we've been very transparent. We've, you know, we told everybody months ago there was a, a clause in the yep. contract that the loser could invoke a rematch if he wants to do it. So that's where we are now. That's what it is. And in the meantime, um, in June, I believe Joshua will fight Pulev, mm, mm. which has always been the case. So all the all the nonsense that you know um, that's come out from Matchroom, it's just it's just, it's insignificant. You know, he was going to talk to this one and that one. The only one person he needs to speak to, and that's us, and that's it. And that conversation has not happened at all. And where we are now is we know what our contractual or Tyson knows what his contractual obligations are, and now we're going to we're going to sit down and think about it and see where we how we move forward on it. Of course, everybody wants to see the the big fight. But if it's to go on to maximise the income that they both want from it, that won't happen till, till um, the autumn. That's a fact of life. So that's the, that's the, that's the, that's everybody being realistic about this. Not the, the, the sound bites and the rubbish that they're putting out to the fans. This is the facts. That's what the facts are. So, so basically just to, just to encapsulate those things, an autumn fight and it's this way around now. Fury Wilder. Fury Wilder 3. Um, are we back in Las Vegas for that, Frank? I don't you know. That's, the contract said the fires to take place in the US. And that's probably where, it's, where it is. Unless we mm. can reach some accommodation. I don't know if we can or we can't. But it's only just invoked it, I think, today. So right. that's where we are. So it's all about sitting down and talking and trying to make it work. It's about... People parking their egos up and, you know, spouting all their their sound bites out. It's about sitting down, working it out between, and being logical and sensible about it, and the most and, and, and understanding that Tyson's the number one heavyweight in the world. Joshua has three belts that 
of Tyson's that he vacated. He never won them off. He never beat anybody. He never beat Tyson Fury who held those belts. And it's about Wilder and it's about Pulev and all the things that go with it. So it's about sitting down. If, if we can work it out, then we'll try and work it out. But if we can't, we just adhere to the contract. But, the, but, the, but legally, everybody's got to adhere to the contracts. And that's as simple as that. Now, our final guest on Fight Night, hopefully, is going to have a fight announced by the time you're listening to this podcast. So I apologise if it already has been announced. But as of Saturday, we were still in limbo. Billy Joe Saunders, friend of Tyson Fury, came on to the show to obviously talk about his mate's heavyweight conquest. And then we moved on to hopefully him getting that fight with the pound-for-pound great that is Canelo. It's the one and only Mr. Billy Joe Saunders, who I believe, Billy, is up in Manchester at training at the moment. Yeah, mate, at the moment I am. It's in uh, in Manchester, training away, getting ready for an, uh, an alleged May second date or uh, or, end of, or end of April. So um, when, when you say, to, for the listeners, that alleged uh, May the second date, Billy, is obviously Saul Canelo Alvarez. So you're still waiting on an outcome. We're hearing it's between you and Callum Smith, of course. Um, big, you're both in the running for the negotiations. Uh, both obviously promoted by Eddie Hearn. So it's a weird kind of lottery. Obviously, you believe it should be you fighting him in Vegas on May the second. No, I've been a world champion now since 2015. You know, two two weight world champion, two time world champion. Obviously, um, I've always wanted these big fights and lusted for them. You know, the Glock Gim fight and you know, the Alvarez fight before, and it's never materialised. Um, not on my behalf, but now it's, you know, now I'm in the running because, you know, people want to see that fight. Now I just I just want to make the most of it, mate, and um, exercise exercise the full experience the best I can and hopefully get the win and, and uh, move on. Move on from there, mate, and go down as one of the greats. Listen, I've got to ask you, there's a range of things I want to ask you. Obviously, Josh Taylor is now part of the training camp, trained by Ben Davison, who's obviously training yourself at the moment. We'll come back to Canelo and Callum Smith in a minute as well. Um, I've got to ask you, first of all, we know how close you are with the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury. Um, we know that you brought Ben and Tyson together. I mean, I was there in Marbella with you guys. It's well documented. How pleased for you were you for Tyson last weekend? And what did you make of the performance, Billy Joe? Oh, I was over the moon for him, obviously. He's a very, very good friend. Um, I just think that, you know, people now finally going to give him the credit he deserves. Um, you know, out of everything he's, he's been through and come to, I think it's uh, it's one of the greatest comebacks in uh, in boxing history. So, you know, I'm happy that people's given him the credit he deserves. And, and for Wilder's excuses, you better off to saying that I got beat by the better man. And do yeah, it's funny, you know, you say that. I mean, I was saying earlier, I think it's not just a, one of the great sporting comebacks, not one of the great boxing comebacks. It's one of the great comebacks in life, isn't it, you know? Yeah, most definitely. You know, the depression side of things and other bits and bobs and, you know, to overcome that and to, to be where he's at today is, uh, is unnoted. So you've got to take it out off to him and, you know, bow down. But, you know, now I'm just pleased that people's giving him the, the recognition that he's worked for now, so... You know, like I say, Wilder's was a great champion. He was a great champion, but you know, he met a better man on the night, and you know, I can't see no other outcome than that in 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 the third fight, if the third fight. Uh, but also, 
it's in your voice as well. You can't write someone off like Deontay Wilder. You can't write someone off who's done yeah, what he's done you either. You can't, but, you know, when someone's mentally, emotionally, physically broken like that, it's, it's, it, you're never going to be the same, you know, and, and never being the same against someone like Tyson himself, it's, it's going to be a one-off race in all aspects. Now, you know, first he outboxed him, outfoxed him and won, then he went forward and, you know, dismantled him. So you can't see no other outcome other than the same result. When you were running up those hills with him in Marbella, um, when he was losing all the way, it's well documented. Um, in fact, the ITV documentary uh, showed it in the second part, I think. Even when he was 25 stone, 24 stone, 23 stone, you, you knew that there was something special in Tyson, didn't you? Yeah, look, I mean, he's been a friend for, for a long, long time and I obviously know the talent he's got. And, you know, even if it wasn't there, it's a shame not to test that talent. So, you know, obviously going back and doing the the right thing, teaming up with Ben and going through that long procedure, getting back on top, it's all finally paid off. And, you know, one he can look forward to and look at himself and pat himself on the back more than anything, you know. I don't think that you can look at people, other people around him for praise, but, you know, because it's him who's done the hard work, so you've got to really give the credit to him yourself. Where were you? I know you're obviously in camp, and so you couldn't go over to Las Vegas for this. You were deep in camp. Where were you watching it, Billy? Were you alone? Were you with family? Talk us no, through. No, I was alone. I was, I was at home watching it. Uh, well, home in training camp, home watching it. So um, put my alarm on, got up, watched it, went back to bed. <laughs> did you have any nerves when he was walking in? Did you have those nerves for him? You know what? No, I, I, I spoke to him a few days previously, and um, you know he sounded very positive, very confident. You know he told me more or less what the game plan was, but I was thinking dangerous. So, but he went in there and executed it to perfection. But um, like I say, when when someone's when someone you know one of your mates or someone close to your family's boxing, you always. You're always a little bit tense. Mm. But uh, from the opening bit, I knew the outcome. What he did to, to Deontay Wilder, outboxed him, outthought him, outgunned him, outplanned him, outstrategied him, if that's a word. Um, is that something that you can do with Canelo? Or have you got to go in there and outbox him, outfight him, box when he fights, fight when he, fight when he boxes? Tell I us think, about what's in your I mind. Think, I think... With with Canelo, you just have to have your all-round best night of your life. Mm. Because one thing's beating him over 36 minutes. But, you know, you never go in there and look to knock someone out. You know, so you can't afford to go in there and think, oh, I'm going to plan to knock him out. So I hope that the three wise men some ringside is going to be fair. And if I get beat, you know, it's fair, then it's fair. You shake the better man's own, like I said. But you know, I, I hope and pray that it's scoring is going to be fair because I know how I've got to beat him. I know the, you know, I've, I've watched him since I've turned pro because I've, I've always knew that. I watched two fighters very, very closely when I first turned pro. I watched David Lemieux very, very, very closely and watched Alvarez very closely as well. Um, so they're the two fighters that's always been in my head. And, um, you know, I, I, I know what I have and, and what I've got to execute and I know it's going to be very very hard and difficult but I wouldn't be doing it no matter how much money I was getting if I didn't believe I could win and where are you going to have the rematch when you're beating him 
Well, that's um, that's something from the management MTK to sort out. I believe that you know things. Uh, I can't say too much, but certain things now in the negotiation stages where you know a few things are getting um, are getting taped down. So you know, I'll uh, I'll leave that to them. But I don't mind words. I honestly don't mind it. Listen, as being a kid growing up, I always wanted to fight in Las Vegas. You know, in one of the biggest fights in uh, in boxing history. So it's going to be a big, big fight. If if uh, if, if I am the one, which I hope I am, and um, you know, to get the win is going to be something else. Let me know right now how you're going to be feeling if next week they announce that Saul Canelo Alvarez will be facing. Billy Joe Saunders on May the 2nd in Las Vegas. What will that make you feel like? Will there send a surge through your body, through your mind, through your brain, through your warrior soul? Listen, every every fight with this announced, you know, you either, you've got two feelings, and this is how I normally feel. You get two feelings, you're thinking, oh yeah, I'm fighting. I'm fighting 10 weeks. Oh yeah, that's easy. Or you get another feeling where you think, well, oh, I'm fighting. Ten weeks. Oof, this is this is gonna be. This has to be something special. This, yeah. this can't. This can end bad. And that's the fear. Of, that's the fear factor I need. So, and I think that'll be the one this time because you know you can't knock him. He's regarded as pound for pound number one. Um, he's the biggest name in boxing. Um, you know you've got to take it out off to him. He's done some big big things. Been in some mega fights in boxing. Now, the only person to beat him is Floyd Mayweather. So we know there's a chink in the armour there. So if I'm as good as what I think I am and, uh, and can bring out what's inside of me, then I'll be the second man to beat. Finally, and it's a shorter question, um, you've got Josh Taylor in the camp now. How's that feel? He's littler than you, of course, uh, physically in stature, but I'm sure he's great fun to spar with sometimes and his movement on the inside is fun. He's a great boxer himself. Um, yeah, he's a... Uh, he's, uh... He's a very, very world-class act. Always watched him um, for when he turned pro. Love watching him, funnily enough. He's a fantastic fighter. I think that, you know, teaming up with Ben could be something real special. Uh, he's got a good work ethic, pushes me in the gym, I push him, so we bounce off each other. And it's good to have someone of that magnitude side of the train with, especially with big fights on the horizon like myself at the minute. So there you go. That was Fight Night this week. Please rate us on iTunes. It helps us with our visibility in the charts and make sure you hit subscribe so therefore you never miss out on any of our content. This week, we're going to be up in Manchester for a couple of open workouts for John O'Carroll and Scott Quigg. And hopefully, we'll be speaking to Dillian White as well as his fight uh, with Alexander Povetkin will hopefully have been announced by the time we're on the radio next week. So make sure you come and join us there at 9 o'clock on a Saturday night. But if you can't do that, subscribe to the podcast so you never miss out. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 
My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. 